welcome to Totally Buggin', the podcast about all things creepy crawly. We are your host organisms, Cammie. And Faith. Cammie, have you been on TikTok recently? More than I would care to admit. Have you seen any of the videos um, talking about the bees dancing to communicate, where, like, it's just people, you know, shaking their butts, and then it's, like, a very outlandish conversation that these bees are having? No, I haven't seen this trend. Wait, really? Yeah, you should show me one. Yeah, I'm going to show you one right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Pulling out my, whipping out the TikTok. Yeah, you've never seen this? Mm-mm. Show me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, we'll have to make one of those to post. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Okay. All right, well... Now I do know about this trend. Yes. I just find it very funny that this, like, recent trend has come up and was a bit of a thing on TikTok for maybe a week or two. And this is an actual thing that bees do. Like, bees do dance to communicate. And I just find it very funny that, like, the internet figured it out. Okay, I I misunderstood what you were saying. I thought you were saying that, like, the trend was them dancing to a song called Communicate. I was like, is that, like, a Beyonce song or something? No. But no, I understand. So the waggle dance. Yeah, like yes. the waggle dance. Okay. I just find it very funny how the internet didn't know about the waggle dance until it became a TikTok trend, mm. even though <laughs> it was discovered in like the 1920s by the subject of today's episode. Oh, I have never heard of this guy before. <laughs> so the entomologist we're going to be talking about today is... Carl von Frisch, and you know what, now that I think about it, I wonder what he would think of his legacy of the waggle dance being something on TikTok. Well, the waggle dance is also kind of controversial in entomology nowadays. Like, Wait, really? there's There's some kind of, like, modern reevaluation of mm-hmm. whether it's been kind of oversimplified. There's actually controversy with some of his work too like well we'll get into it uh controversy on the merits or controversy because it was nazi germany um both okay i'll say both all right we'll get into it then so uh the guy we're talking about is carl von frisch who was born on november 20th 1886 and was a german austrian ethologist which is a zoologist who studies the behavior of animals in their natural habitats. So I guess technically he's not an entomologist. I think maybe this was just like the 1920s version of an entomologist. Well, most entomologists aren't just entomologists. Like uh, if you work with insects in any capacity, Mm -hmm. you are kind of an entomologist. But you might be an entomologist who is also a chemical ecologist or... Uh, chemist or any other manner of scientific overlap, Mm -hmm. I suppose. Oh, that's actually Mm -hmm. interesting because we'll get into something else that he also studied. Apparently, he also did a lot of work on fish. Oh. But his bee research is... An ichthyologist. Ooh, that should be a... That's a good trivia question. I did (laughs) not know you knew what that was called specifically. I used to listen to a podcast called Ologies. And that's how I know a lot of those terms. 
um, because every episode was a different ology. I found the host to be a little bit annoying, so I haven't <laughs> listened to it in a while. But, like, there was good info, and they had cool guests, so oh, cool. I might pick it back up. Mm-hmm. So he was an ethologist who won the Nobel Prize for Physiology or Medicine in 1973. What exactly is an ethologist? It's a zoologist who studies the behavior of animals in their natural habitats. But, like, what does the word mean? That's what it means. I googled it. But right like here. the the eth part, what is oh. what does that come from? Oh, like the Latin? I have no clue. Or Hold the on. Greek? I don't know. The Greek, Latin, or Greek? So I'm just curious how that relates to ethology definition. Uh, Latin root from the Latin ethologica, the art of depicting or imitating character from the ancient Greek ethologica. Painting of character. Ethologia. Ethologia. I apologize. Okay. Um, painting of character, especially by mimicking gestures. So I think the... So it's kind of like the study of mimicry. Yeah, kind of. Okay. And I think that's how he did a lot of his work. Or like he studied stuff in their natural habitat and figured out like why they do stuff the way that they do. Okay. And like mimic it and stuff. Huh. All right. That's interesting. And so his work focused on sensory perceptions of the honeybee, and he was among the first to translate the waggle dance. <laughs> and the actual first person who discovered the waggle dance was, do you know? I'm going to give you a hint. We've talked about them. Was, is it someone I did an episode about? Yes. Oh, Charles H. Turner. We did an episode about him. Yes, oh my gosh. we did. Apparently, he was the <laughs> like very first to discover the waggle dance through classical conditioning, and Carl von Frisch was the second. And he wrote a book about this in 1927 called "The Dancing Bees," which is the English translation. I'm not even going to attempt to try and say it in German. I think it would be funny if you did, though. Uh, hold on. I need to look up the title in German. <laughs> I'm punishing you today. I'm making you, you are, look things up. Uh, Carl von Fisch. Wiki. <laughs> okay, let's see. Um, okay, so in German, it's Aus dem Leben der Bienen. Or Beinen. Which I trans- think it's Bienen. Bienen, which translates <laughs> to the dancing bees. You know what, that... Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> Ask dem lieben der Bienen. Yes. I just love how everything sounds like either sneezing or shouting. <laughs> Sorry. No hate to any of our German audience. <laughs> do we have a German I was going to say, do we have a German audience? I guess I'm of German descent, but... I am too. Like, from like the 1800s. <laughs> I was going to say, we're, we're all immigrants somewhere. <laughs> somewhere along the line. And, okay, so this is where a bit of the controversy comes in, because when he wrote and published his book in 1927, it was disreputed by other scientists at the time, um, but was later found to be an accurate theoretical analysis, and he was right. Basically, what most of what he wrote in his book was correct about what the waggle dance is, how the bees dance to communicate, and, like, his other theories were pretty spot on if not entirely correct but interesting but at the time other scientists were like oh, that's so silly bees don't dance to communicate and then he's like actually 
do. I suppose it does sound a little bit far-fetched. Yeah. If somebody just introduces that to you to the first for the first time, it's like, are you pulling my leg? Like, yeah, you might think it's a little silly. When I learned about this in my statistics class, I thought it was kind of silly, honestly. Why did it come up in statistics? Um... I think he was talking about a case study involving the waggle dance where they were Mm. observing. Oh, it was like statistically how it was the data proving like statistically how many times the bees shake their butt or waggle. Um, (laughs) Abdomen. Abdomen. I'm sorry. (laughs) Shake their abdomen correlates to like, I think how far it is like, or how long the dance lasts is about, it's like the approximate distance to the food source. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I remember learning about that. So we'll talk about his career and what he studied. He began his work in 1912 after receiving his doctorate in 1910 from the University of Vienna. Um, he started out as a lecturer in zoology and comparative anatomy, but he was promoted to professor professorship where he started researching honeybees and his student also continued his work at the current university that he was at. And then in 1921, he went to Rostock University as a professor of zoology and a director for the institute. In 1923, he accepted a new offer of a chair at Breslau University, and then he returned to Munich University, which I believe is where he started working as a lecturer. In 1925, as head of the Institute of Zoology. So he has a very varied um, and interesting career. All right. I like it. I like the, and I also like the idea of going to the place where basically you first started work and like you're just a lecturer and now you're like, I'm in charge of the whole department now. Yeah, he worked his way up. He worked his way up the ladder. And then this is where we're going to talk about something that might be a little more controversial about his work. During the 20s in Europe, if you remember your history lessons, um, was the rise of Nazi Germany, and this actually started to affect Karl von Frisch's work. He got negative attention from the Nazi regime because he employed Jewish Jewish assistants, many of which were women, and practicing, quote, Jewish science. I guess they didn't think that his work was something actually worth doing or actually scientific, something like that. Mm -hmm. And he was also, I guess I'll say blacklisted because one of his grand, I believe one of his grandparents were Jewish. And then, um, so since he's one fourth Jewish, he was like on their radar for someone that they can. Basically like one drop of, Jewish blood was enough for them to consider you Jewish and yeah. uh, and discriminate against you as Discri- a result. Okay, yeah, so like the um, the different laws that were put into place to like codify like mm-hmm. anti-Semitic uh, discrimination yeah. would apply to him. That's my understanding. I okay. believe. Yeah, I just didn't know how to put it into words. Yeah, I think that's the point that you're getting across. Yeah, because yeah. because his uh, grandparents were Jewish, but he was considered. Jewish by the Nazi regime, Nazi regime, which allowed uh, for him to face discrimination by them. And they actually managed to force him into retirement. Um, but he returned to work. He was able to convince the Nazi administration of food and agriculture that his work 
on bees was important enough to the government at the time, so the Third Reich, that he should continue working even though he's Jewish and they don't like his practices and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, and that was because of his work on the Nosema infection in bees. Oh, Nazima. Nazima. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is something that's still uh, heavily researched in uh, in entomology today. Mm-hmm. Um, we will absolutely be covering this at some point. I just I, I worry about us being too bee-ish sometimes. <laughs> Uh, I just, they didn't like him because he was bee-ish. Not, not bee-ish like in the way that the bee movie used bee-ish. Like, I, I want us to try and be, like, diverse in our, uh, in the insects that we highlight. But, yeah, that Nisima is a major threat to mm-hmm. uh, bee populations it's, today. It's a parasite, right? Correct. They, they parasitize honeybees, and they cause the hive to fail by... Having them basically, having the bees not come out of their overwintering period, I believe. So, like... Yeah, that's part of it. They stay sleepy. (laughs) They stay sleepy over the winter. Sure. (laughs) Because he was able to argue for his work, he was allowed to go back to work at the University of Munich. And after World War II, he worked at the University of Graz. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Until 1950, when he returned to the rebuilt University of Munich. So during the war, the university was destroyed, so he went to work at another university, and then he went back to his original university. His alma mater, if you will. His (laughs) alma mater. So now we're going to get into his work. He did a lot of work on bee perception mostly, and then bee communication. So his work found that bees can distinguish various amongst varium blossoming plants by their scent. Mm -hmm. And he was the second to demonstrate that bees had color vision. And I think it's very cool how he did this. How he set up his experiment, basically, is he would have a group of cards, like flashcards cards, that were all gray. Mm -hmm. And then he would have one blue one in the center because I don't remember why, but for some reason, bees can't see red. Right, and actually... A lot of insect traps are blue because it's a color that attracts a lot of insects. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I just know they they can't see blue, so, or they can't see red. So mm-hmm. he used blue to attract the bees. And then he would put bowls of sugar water on each of the cards and let the bees go to one of the sugar waters. And he his hypothesis was that, oh, if the bees didn't have colored vision, they would go to the sugar water with gray cards underneath of them. But if they did have color vision, they would go to the blue ones. Mm -hmm. And obviously they went to the blue one because he demonstrated that bees have color vision. Mm -hmm. His main work was with bees dancing as communication. He discovered and translated the round dance and the waggle dance. So I'm not as familiar with the idea of the round dance. I've only ever heard it referred to as the waggle dances, like, generally. They, like, that's how they communicate. It's kind of like... It's kind of like two sides of the same coin. Okay. Like, the round... So, basically, what's the what this looks like is... It kind of looks like a figure eight. Like, the B is moving in a figure eight. Mm-hmm. And the top of the eight, the round part, is referred to as the round dance. Mm. But then, when they... When it crosses in the middle and they 
shake their abdomen. That's the waggle dance. I did not think you were about to say abdomen. <laughs> <laughs> but they, sh- they shake their abdomen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then that's referred to, that's the waggle part of the mm-hmm. dance. But I think the whole thing altogether is referred to as the waggle dance. But then there's just like the round part of the waggle dance and the waggle part of the waggle dance. Okay, I see. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So for the round dance, it basically communicates that the feeding source is um, anywhere from 50 to 100 meters from the hive, and it supplies info about the type of food and the blossom scent, and they do that by, like, the bees being close to one another and his work found, like, just... From him observing and studying and stuff like this, he was able to figure this out. The bees being close together while the one bee is doing the dance is what gives them information about the type of food and the blossom scent. And then the waggle part of the dance is more specific and it gives more information. It tells the direction, the orientation, if there are any obstacles in the way. And the way it does the direction and the orientation is the bee that's doing the waggle dance will basically orient themselves at the same angle to do the dance that the food source is away from the sun. Mm -hmm. Which So like if the food source is 30 degrees away from the sun, the be able to do the dance at a 30 degree angle. Mm-hmm. And then it also gives information about like how far away it is um, through the waggles. Like the duration of the waggle correlates to how far away it is. So like I think one second is about one kilometer. So if you're waggling for two seconds, it's about two kilometers away. So. so what I'm hearing is that it's basically ways for bees. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it GPS. is. It's the GPS of bees, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's me telling you about a new coffee shop by shaking my butt is exactly <laughs> what it is. Just, Cammie, there's the best new coffee place about, I don't know why I'm shaking while I'm doing this. They won't be able to tell. They can't see Just me. keep doing it. Cammie, there's a great new coffee shop about two miles away. They have lavender-flavored coffee syrup. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what angle would I walk to get there? 80 degrees. 80 degrees relative to the sun yeah. at, at noon? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> That's basically what they're doing. All right. Um, Sounds like an effective mode of communication. Yeah. And then two other things that he found in his work that he just, that were very important. He just didn't become famous for it. He, I think he became famous to the public as like the bee dancing guy. Like, you know, that guy that's only known for like one thing in high school. He's a bit, he's a bit like this Mm -hmm. because he also did work on fish over the winter, but everyone only cared about his like bee research. So he was an entomologist an ethologist yes. and an ichthyologist. Yes. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> he dabbled. Yes, he <laughs> dabbled. <laughs> so he found that the language parts of the dances to be variety specific. So he specifically worked with a subspecies of the European honeybee. So like 
the parts of the round dance and the waggle dance would mean different things to different varieties of bees. So if a European honeybee and, I don't know, an American honeybee tried talking to one another, they wouldn't get the, like, waggle and the round dance right for each other, Mm -hmm. uh, which means the distance would be off, the orientation would be off in communication from bee to bee. It's like how uh, Americans say fries and British people say, say chips. chips. Yeah, exactly. They like <laughs> don't they don't know what they're talking about for yeah. a second. And then he also did some experiments of the pheromones of queens on male drones. And mm-hmm. basically what he found there was that the queen pheromones only affected the male drones when it when they were outside of the hive. So like when Interesting. the when the queen would go out to mate. She releases her pheromones, and then male drones would respond to it and go to mate with her. But if the queen released her pheromones inside the hives with her male drones, they don't respond. I should hope not, because they're her sons. Oh, maybe that's why. Mm -hmm. So they're not inbred. Yeah, I think that might be, like, a mechanism for... Uh, maintaining some genetic diversity between hives. Yeah, we don't need sweet hive Alabama. Oh, (laughs) jeez. So, Cammie, that's about all I have for you. Okay, well, thank you for telling me about this interesting figure Mm -hmm. in entomology history. Very cool guy. Yeah. Did a lot of important work. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm off to shake my abdomen. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Totally Buggin'. You can support Totally Buggin' by following us on your favorite podcast platform and sharing our episodes with your friends. We can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for updates, episode previews, and additional content. You can also message us on those sites to request episode topics. Our website is currently under construction, but it will be back up soon. Thank you. Thank you.